Blog Talk Radio. Wing and a fly ball, deep to left, down the line, could be, going, going, and it is gone for a home run for David Wright. Struck him out swinging. Slider away. Tanaka tonight has struck out 10 and walked one. I mean, that's pretty darn good, huh? It's Gotham Baseball Live, and I'm your host, Mark Healy, the founder and editor of Gotham Baseball and GothamBaseball.com. We're back, and we've got a great show on tap for you today on this uh, St. Patrick's Day 2017. Matthew Cerrone is going to be joining us. He's from Mets Blog, of course. Uh, Mets fans, very, very familiar with Matt's work over the years. Uh, the, The ironic thing is that Matt and I started... I started Gotham in 2005. Matt started Mets Blog in 2005, and he's been a, been a friend, uh, you know, for us to Gotham Baseball for a very long time. So we're very happy. I thought it was fitting to have Matt on the program today to talk about a lot of different things. Uh, the first being, of course, uh, you know, where the Mets are right now, the state of the Mets, uh, as we are in smack dab in the middle of spring training, and of course. You know, we're also going to talk about Matt's new venture, uh, Sports Content Inc., which I think is a fascinating way to look at where sports content is going. If you're a sports fan like me, and I know you are, especially if you're listening to this program, you know, the way that we, and I'm going to use, um, uh, I'm going to use someone else's um, terminology here because I think that uh, Don LaGreca from ESPN, uh, who has been in this business as long as me, if not longer, uh, talked about how, how we consume our sports content. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons I wanted to bring Gotham Baseball back, especially the podcast, was because I, I turn on the radio and I, I want to hear baseball talk. And unfortunately, uh, outside of the baseball-only channels uh, on Sirius, you know, or watching MLB Network, you really don't get the type of baseball content that you want. And, and frankly, you know, the New York baseball content is really the only thing I want to listen to. And you just don't get enough of it, you know, on sports radio. And with all due respect to the podcasts out there, a lot of the podcasts don't have broadcast quality people on them. And so you're getting a lot of different you're getting a lot of different podcasts, you're getting a lot of different programs, you're getting a lot of different you know viewpoints and things like that. And and that's all fun, you know, and good and you can glean things and you can choose things and you can kind of create your own playlist. But at the end of the day, you know, I want to learn something when I listen to a program. I I don't need to hear 4000 drops. I don't need to hear, you know, about what somebody had for breakfast. I don't need to hear what, you know, someone, someone, you know, uh, did with a sponsor. I, I want to hear baseball talk, you know, and I want to hear analysis, and I want to hear from the people that, you know, are actually at spring training. I want to hear from the people that, you know, can cover the team without just giving us, 
you know, the same old, same old. So, you know, Matt is one of the guys that kind of revolutionized uh, how to write about a team. And, you know, I know for myself that since Mets Blog's been around, I've read it every day. And so my big thing is I want to bring back sports radio talk, baseball radio talk, Gotham baseball radio talk uh, to, you know, our listeners and the people that really want it. So that's, that's really the biggest reason why I wanted to bring, you know, Gotham baseball live back. And it's something that means a lot to me. It's something that's been around. It's something that, you know, if you've, if you've been on the website recently, you've seen that we've completely redesigned it. Uh, you can see that we are, you know, our, our content partners have stuff on there every single day, whether it's Yankee prospects, whether it's Mets prospects, um, you know, whether it's stories about the Mets. And, and we're getting there. And we're certainly uh, in the process of adding more things. And we've got a lot of exciting uh, projects that we're doing. And, and really at the end of the day, the biggest part of bringing Gotham baseball back and the biggest part of bringing the podcast back was to make sure that that kind of baseball content, which I think is missing from today's sports radio, uh, is back. And what better way to, to bring it back? What better way to reintroduce, you know, the podcast to, to you know, to, to our audience, our past audience, and, and certainly our new audience is to bring on board uh, Matt Cerrone. Again, uh, he is the creator and lead writer on Mets Blog, and uh, he is joining us on the program right now. Matt, uh, you're on with Gotham Baseball Live. How are you today, buddy? I'm um, good, Mark. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you, buddy. <laughs> That's right. The parade, is, uh, the parade is kicking off right about now. Um, before we get to, you know, before we get to the Mets and before we get to um, – you know, talking about just just the state of media in general. I know that you have a new venture called Sports Content. I'd really like – somebody asked me about it the other day, and they were like, oh, did you hear about the Sports Content Inc. that Matt Cerrone's doing? What do you know about it? And I said, honestly, you know what? I said, I think he'd be the best person to explain it. I'm going to be having him <laughs> on, my, on, my, on my podcast, so uh, listen in. So here's, here's your opportunity, Matt, um, for people who are listening that, that – don't really know about sports content, Inc. Can you explain a little bit about what you're trying to do here? Yeah, I mean, basically, it's, it's not too dissimilar to what I did for Metsblog or with Metsblog. It's just that I'm trying to apply a lot of those same content principles to uh, sports brands, not necessarily teams or leagues or news cycles, but sports brands themselves, people that are in a product business, um, you know, that are trying to connect with and sell to sports fans. Uh, and so basically what I'm, what I'm proposing is, and, and this, this can touch on a little bit as we get into more about the direction of sports media as a whole, uh, media in general, but specifically sports media, is that, you know, it's all about value and information and, you know, none of that changes. It doesn't necessarily matter your motive. I mean, customer service is customer service. So if I am providing a service that is writing about the mess and, you know, the value prop I'm giving you is I'm, I'm the one spending way too much time researching and writing and looking, and, and you're going to go to meetings and, and, and go to your kid's little league game. And when you get back, 
I got your back. I'll tell you what's going on and give you, a, you know, let you know what I think and, and put a bow on it. Um, you know, that's the value, right? And if you're Dick Sporting Goods or you're Adidas or you're a T-shirt company, you know, there's value in, in expertise that you can provide an audience of sports fans that's just as valuable in other aspects of their life. And while you're doing that, you're promoting your business and, and you're creating a relationship that you can use for sales as well. So, I mean, it's, it's really the same thing. It's just sort of applying it in a different, different uh, construct, but really the same dynamic. What's the most frustrating aspect of, of creating, you know, this new venture? What's, what's the biggest obstacle you think um, that you're dealing with when, when talking with people and trying to get them to buy in? Education. Um, I think I don't want to say I'm ahead of the curve because I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I just, you know, it's it's the kind of thing where a marketing department thinks they can do that, a social media department thinks they can do it, PR department thinks they can, sales thinks they can, and the reality is none of them are actually doing it. And you know, I think it's when I when I kind of go through the pitch, I see heads bobbing and people kind of get it. Um, but I think ultimately they don't necessarily understand what that means to them in, in real terms, um, you know, in terms of converting a reader into a customer. Um, and I think that's probably the hardest part. And so, I, I, you know, I, I, I've gone full force with trying to, to book clients early on, and I, I, I wrangled in a couple, but I, I realized that really what I need to do is treat myself and the business like a client and spend a little bit more time actually practicing what I preach and trying to educate, I think, the, the marketplace and, you know, prospective clients about what exactly it is that I'm talking about and how it can benefit them and their, their audience. Where's the best place for people to uh, find out more about Sports Content, Inc., and how can they follow and, and, and stay in touch with what you're doing? Yeah, they can go to MatthewStrone.com. All the stuff is on there. Um, you know, that kind of explains it and talks about services and just, you know, that sort of stuff, things to learn about it. And, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter at Matthew Throne. Um, you know, there's, I have the at sports content Inc or at sports content on, uh, on Twitter. And, you know, it's a slow start um, trying to, you know, find people to sort of partner with and help out. And, you know, it's been an interesting, uh, interesting process to say the least. I think I thought it would go a little bit more quickly, or I, I think I thought it would take a lot more time. It actually picked up, very early on and then I realized part of the, the hurdle there like I said was really sort of focusing the language and, and understanding what it is I'm actually selling um, you know and I think through every conversation I have whether it's something like this or just a meeting or just you know BSing with somebody in the in the industry you know I, I feel like I learn a little bit more and maybe the idea changes a little bit because things you know something else opens up where I realize there's an opportunity in a different way so I mean it's all just kind of taken shape and, and and i think i wanted to kind of go a little bit more solely than i than i think initially it was you know as as i was telling people when when i did the intro for the show and you know i, I was telling them said, so, you know you started mets blog around 2005 that's when i started gotham baseball so we've known each other a long time we've worked together on a bunch of different things and so you and i uh, have kind of been through some of the same things, uh, albeit you have had a lot more success. <laughs> so, uh, you know, what I, what I try to explain to people, uh, one of the reasons why I love Mets Blog, one of the reasons why I value 
our relationship is that you're, you've been the same guy uh, through that entire time. And so that's why, you know, when we talk about creating content, we talk about, you know, creating, creating a place, creating a destination for people to get their information, to get their, you know, sports fix, their Mets fix. You know, it's important, I think, and I've, I've always said this, you know I've said this, is that perspective is just as important uh, as, as anything else because it gives you the opportunity to kind of, you know, it's one thing to go and cover the team. That's one thing. It's another thing to have covered different versions of the team over the course of 12, 13, 14, 15 years. And for some people, um, especially sports writers, uh, and you and I know a couple of these guys uh, and gals that, you know, get so comfortable or get so ingrained uh, in the culture that they sometimes forget who they're writing for. And so it's almost, it's almost more valuable to kind of be on the outside looking in because you're, you're able to kind of communicate in a different way. And I, I think that, you know, over the years, certainly in our discussions, in our conversations, you certainly uh, have gained that perspective by, you know, the different ways in which the Mets themselves have even interacted with you. And I'm not just talking about the players. I'm talking about the front office. I'm talking about uh, coaches. I'm talking about organizational people. Do you find that do you find that even with all of the changes that have been made within the front office over these, you know, 12, 13 years, that you pretty much get treated the same, or, or would you say that it's been, that it's been different uh, even of late? Um, man, I mean, it's been such a, <laughs> like you said, it's, it's been, you know, we're talking 13 years at this point, um, and so many people have come and gone, um, you know, things, the, the, the relationships change because the people change. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the roles or the status or anything else other than just the people. And there are some people that I think I was more close to early on, or, you know, maybe in certain years, some have passed away. Some have gone on to do other things. New people have come aboard. My interests have changed or my, you know, I think the, the thing that's, you know, what I'm providing, the audience has changed. So my needs within the organization are different. I just, the point is things change. And so I I actually think I'm less connected to and speak less frequently um, and interact less frequently with with people in the front office now with the organization than I used to. But that's not because they're not welcoming. It's just because I think, you know, maybe I haven't built those, the same relationships or I just don't, necessarily think that they're all that valuable in terms of what I think the audience wants. You know, this particular front office, the Sandy Alderson staff is, they're really good. I mean, they're really smart. They're savvy. They speak very well. You know, they're, they're politically savvy. I think they understand how to deliver a message and how to sort of shape it. And they have a lot of back channel conversations with a lot of different organizations. And I, I think semantics can be a, a, tr- a tricky trap. And I see a lot of uh, some beat writers get caught in it. They take certain things on face value. And, you know, to me, it's, it's, I've never practiced, you know, individual source or even 
you know, verified type journalism. I mean, I, I practice what I've always sort of thought about is, is like lunchroom journalism, which is basically I just talk to as many people as I can, not just with the Mets, but agents or other teams or even fans and other reporters and just kind of get a real sense of the tide and the currents. And that's kind of where I report from, if you want to use that term. But to me, it's not necessarily reporting so much as it is just, these are the things I'm interested in. This is what I'm learning. This is what I think is going on. And, you know, here's where I think things are headed. Um, you know, and so if that is, you know, if, if, if having a better relationship with the front office can help make that a, a more insightful, more interesting, um, you know, value proposition for the audience, then great. If it doesn't, because, um, you know, it's, a lot gets played out. I mean, not to not to say that they're 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 lying because I don't think it's that. I just think they they hold their cards close to their vest and they should. And so, you know, why go through go through that? Um, I, to be quite honest with you, I I think I have more of a personal relationship and more personal connections with this this group than maybe I did with the previous. Even though the, the previous were maybe more informative. You know, one 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 of the my pet peeves about sports radio right now is the dearth of baseball talk uh, and good baseball talk. Um, the prime time, uh, you know, the drive time shows, uh, you know, on ESPN, um, you know, they have, a, you know, they have Michael Kay, who's the voice of the Yankees. They have Don LaGreca, who's a great, uh, you know, a great guy to talk about the Mets. And then they have Peter Rosenberg, who doesn't even know who Casey Stengel is. So you have, you know, you have, very little baseball talk uh, on on a show that where the the you know the lead guy is the voice of the Yankees, and then you have Mike Francesa that can't even get any Met guests on because you know WFAN left uh, the Mets and the, you know they, they, their relationship ended and you know you could always go to seven ten WOR oh but Sean Hannity's on in the afternoon you know you have to wait until the Sports Zone or you have to wait until you know the pregame or the postgame and it's. To me, it's such a mess, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring Gotham Baseball back because I feel that you know, over the years that the conversations that I have with you know uh, the folks that cover the, cover the game, that write about the game, that talk about the game, sometimes because I know I don't, I I can't speak for you, but when I, when I when I listen to radio, sports radio, I want to learn something. You know, I don't want to listen to a bunch of drops by people who think they're comedians and they're not funny. Uh, I don't want to listen to one guy talk for five and a half hours. Um, you know, it, it, to me, it's, yeah. it's there, there's so much missing. You know, I want to hear about, you know, you'll hear somebody talk about, well, Addison Reed is struggling. Well, why is he struggling? Are they concerned about it? Let's get the pitching coach on. Let's talk to, you know, uh, Addison Reed. Uh, is Rafael Montero have a real shot at getting? And, and of course, I'm going to ask you these questions, and we're going to talk about it. But there's so little analysis about what's going on with two teams. Let's face it. You know, the Mets, the Mets could very well be a contender, and the Yankees are having a very nice spring training, uh, and they're changing their identity with some young players. And it's almost as if, and I, I get it, it's March Madness. But even before March Madness. Uh, even two or three weeks ago when spring training was first starting and pitchers and catchers were reporting, you really didn't hear a lot of, you know, you really didn't hear a lot of baseball talk. So for me, and I don't know about you, again, uh, I just think that there's such a, a vacuum 
of really good baseball talk out there, especially New York baseball. Yeah, I, what I would say to that is, and I think you hit it on the head when you say you want to be informed. So I think there's, there's a couple things that go on. With, with not just talk radio, I think it's anything, video content, written, whatever it is, there's a few things that are, there's a, the, the transaction is this. There is in, information, right? You're going to get smarter, educated. Uh, that's going to happen to the listener. You're going to be entertained, perhaps. And you're going to, and this is really what I think is the important one, because I think this is where the glue and the real stickiness is created. You're going to have your, your own, the, the listener's opinion, the fan's opinion is going to either be validated or um, countered. And that to me is really, I think that's where you see somebody like Mike Francesa in this day and age. He's not the smartest guy anymore. I don't think he knows as much, nearly as much as probably the, you know, most fans online, but, what he has is this status, this gravitas, this sort of uh, reputation that when, if he agrees with you, if you, if you have the same opinion as him, the listener feels validated. They it, like it or not, you get this sort of feeling of, yeah, that, that's what I thought, or that's what I think. And I think that sort of resonance is, is an important aspect that gets ignored. So the entertainment part, which I agree with you, I don't, you know, the, when, when, ESPN or certain networks try to be kind of silly and entertaining and goofy. That, that stuff for me particularly rubs me the wrong way. I don't really care. I get entertained by things online, on television, on, on radio, and in, in a different manner. I, I'll, I'll watch, uh, you know, a sitcom. I, I don't need to be entertained in, in that regard. Like, if I'm going to watch or listen to something sports debate information, I want to learn something, and I want to know that I'm not alone in, in my thinking and so I think that's the stuff that sort of gets ignored. I think there's a big focus on the entertainment component and not the information and sort of the, the validating or the countering of opinion. And I think that's maybe sometimes where the disconnect is. And, you know, in a case like Francesa, not that informative anymore. But, like I said, he holds sort of that heaviness, that, that weight, you know, that heft in, in the marketplace that you sort of want to, hey, Mike agrees with me. That, you know, I think that, that has value. Um, you know, so I mean, my advice to you would be, yeah, it's all, it's about service and it's about giving the audience things that they that they crave, right? So they want to be smarter and they want to know they're not alone. And like those are the two things that I would always focus on. I do that. I try to do that on Metblog when I'm writing. It's what I'm trying to pitch to a lot of these brands that I'm talking with. It's like, you know, it's all the same stuff. It's just, People are people. Readers are readers. We all consume the same way, and we're all looking for essentially the same stuff. Now, you want to go get Dan Worthen on your on your show? You know that's tricky. There's certain networks that can have guys on, certain networks that can't. And there's a lot of embargoed stuff and, and barricades that are built because of the way media works now. But that doesn't mean that the host still can't be informative and know what he's talking about, know what she's talking about, and at the same time have a, a strong enough opinion and be valued for it that the listener, you know, feels, feels validated or feels like, Hey, you're crazy. You're, you're foolish for thinking that. And then they call in and they argue with you, but that's the engagement and the information I think you're looking for. I mean, in that sense, I agree with you. Let, let's talk about the Mets because, you know, um, recently uh, Matt uh, was one of my panelists when we did our state of the Mets at the Queens baseball convention, which is a great event, folks. If you, if you've never been, oh to the Queens baseball convention. Um, it's something that um, the guys at Mets police and uh, media goon and, and those guys all put together. And 
it's it's um, just a great fan fest for Mets and Mets fans and people from all over all over the tri-state area get together. It's a lot of fun. And um, Matt was part of the panel that I put together. And the ironic thing was that none of us knew that that Adam Rubin, who was on the panel as well, right. who covered the Mets forever right. for ESPN. No, I mean, I spoke to him at length that day, uh, Matt. And it's this is so weird not to have Adam, uh, whether you liked him or didn't like him, or whether you got along with him or didn't get along with him. I certainly had my ups and downs with Adam, but it's so weird not having him cover spring training. It's so weird. Uh, you know, not having him be part of, you know, your daily Mets content and updates. Uh, It's so crazy. Um, Did you, did he give any indication when you spoke to him uh, that day that, that he was all of a sudden not going to be part of the Mets coverage anymore? Uh, No, no, but Adam barely or rarely speaks to me anyway. (laughs) So um, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, that, that wasn't going to come up, but you know, it's funny. I, I agree with you. I mean, I have the utmost respect for, for his work ethic and everything he put into that job. And you're right. It does feel weird uh, to put it lightly to not have him uh, in the mix on a day-to-day basis. I, I will tell you in spring training, it felt really odd to me because, you know, ordinarily, and, and this was, I, I heard this from a few different people, not just uh, beat writers, but also some, you know, photographers and just different mediums that, not having him in camp, not getting to the media, not getting to the ballpark, going to the media room at 7:30, and Ruben is already there tweeting news. That you know, you felt. I certainly felt it, and other people felt the lack of. Um, and I never really could think of the right word for this, but just, and it's not even a lack of competition. It's just the drive, the push, to um, keep your ears open and and kind of keep aware. And not having him there was kind of strange. I mean, he definitely felt a difference. Uh, in some cases, it was a little bit more relaxing. On the other hand, you know, you miss it. You know, I miss the little, you know, the, the, the hustle and the, and the push to kind of outdo one another. Um, and so it's kind of, it was kind of strange. And I don't know if he agrees with that, if he even acknowledged, would acknowledge that. But I felt it, and I know other people did. Um, and so it's, it's interesting for me, my, my history with him goes way back. I mean, it actually predates in some ways Mets blog, because when I started the site, we had a common friend in Jonathan Mayo who writes for MLB.com, uh, and another buddy of our, uh, common friend who isn't in sports media, but we just happened to know the same people. Uh, when I was down in DC, I met some friends that knew him and, you know, they, they connected me uh, with him very, you know, it was very nice. And, and he was a huge help to me getting started when I started uh, doing Mets blog as a hobby. And as I was building it, I mean, he kind of helped, you know, give me some pointers and, and suggestions because he had just joined the beat, um, you know, and so here we are all these years later. I'm, I'm still doing this. He just left. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really bizarre to, to not have him in, in the fold. When I first met Adam, I was on the Cyclones beat. Um, I was working at Associated Press, and I, had, I was covering the Cyclones full time. And, you know, he had just joined the Daily News and he had covered a bunch of Cyclones games. And I just remember that he asked a million questions. You know, he, he asked the writers. He asked the front office. He asked the players, the coaches. He was always there. And when you mentioned that drive, he did drive you. He did drive you to, you know, go that one better, get that piece of information, get that, you know, nugget from a coach or from a player 
that you could outdo him. And I, I think that sense of competition, hey, look, I, I, I do it today. You know, I have a, com- I have a main competitor uh, where, I, where I work in Rockaway Beach. We have a, 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 a paper that's, that competes with us. And, you know, I thrive on that competition. And I've always said that I thrive on competition, you know. So I certainly get that aspect of it. So let's talk about the Mets um, as we did at the QBC um, I tend to be a little bit more pessimistic. I guess that's just my way. Um, no. I, I, <laughs> I guess I would have done, I guess, things a little differently this off season. But rather than delve into what I would have done, let's look at the team right now. Obviously, um, there is some concern about – there is some concern about – um, you know, and I just want to mention to our live listeners that we're going to be um, – we'll be going off the air in, a, in, about, in about a minute, but um, you can download the podcast to listen to the rest of this conversation uh, just a couple of minutes after we're done. Um, the, the thing I'm most concerned about, Matt, the thing that I really want uh, to get to is the bullpen. Uh, I, I read on Mets blog this morning that there is some thoughts about keeping three lefties in the bullpen. Uh, I was concerned about, um, you know, I really wanted the Mets to bring back Joe Smith. They didn't. Uh, they did sign a side armor and Bruce Rowan, who I seem to like and who looks like he's having a pretty good spring. Uh, how do you think this bullpen's going to shake up, and are you concerned about uh, where they are right now to start the season, especially when you when you consider the – uh, pending suspension for Familia. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely the weak link going into spring training, and I, I don't think anything has happened during spring training to change that. Um, you know, I think of anything, you know, seeing guys like Smoker and Edgin uh, actually have good springs, that, you know, that kind of helps. And Rowan has been interesting. Seawald um, is a great, um, you know, so I mean, they, they've got guys in the mix. They just, what they lack in Thankfully, so do the Nationals for this matter, but they lack sort of another heavyweight back there, and I, I would like to have seen them make a deal for, like, Dave Robertson or sign, you know, another uh, free agent, just somebody that ha- – and I think they were looking for this because Sandy talked about this during the winter meetings, which is somebody who has experience in high-leverage situations. It doesn't have to be someone who's, you know, a veteran closer necessarily, but someone who has pitched in important moments during games, not – you know, he doesn't want – necessarily a veteran journeyman who, you know, has kind of come and gone with a billion different organizations. That's fine, but the key is that they have pitched in moments that matter and they have that sort of experience. And they didn't really do that. I mean, you know, Blevins, yes, but that's just, you know, they had him last year. And I, I would like to have seen someone else in there to split the role with Addison Reed when Familia's out. And then when the Familia comes back, you'd have that guy – Read and then maybe even the ability to make a trade because I do think they'll be able to acquire a reliever in the summer, which I think they will, um, given where the farm system is at and, and their their you know expectations and I think desire to win this season. But I mean they got to get there first, and and you put all this stock into the starting rotation, which, with all due respect to the height and the potential, you know they haven't all stayed healthy at the same time. They they are a lot of them coming off of surgeries. I'd like to think they're all going to be great, but, you know, you never know. And so you're going to need this bullpen, especially when they only throw five, six innings a game or they're worrying about innings limits and pitch counts. Like, you're going to need a, a, a deep, experienced uh, bullpen to not only close out games and, and, and get wins, but also lengthen 
uh, the game a little bit and, and bridge the gap between some of these, these starting pitchers and, and familiars. So, you know, I just feel like they're short a little bit on, on some meets. And, you know, maybe they don't feel that way, and, and, and we'll see how it shakes out. I think Seth Lugo is an actually really interesting uh, player and, and an important guy to this team. He's going to start uh, for uh, Puerto Rico uh, against Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. And I think, you know, the majority of the country that's watching will finally get a look at this kid's curveball. I think they're going to realize how special he is in that regard. And, you know, if this is somebody they can put in the bullpen and he can learn to be a two-pitch pitcher, basically with that curveball and fastball and mix in some sliders and, and, you know, some of the other stuff he's got going to kind of keep keep the opposition off balance because he has started and can go multiple innings, you know, I think he could be an interesting piece uh, to the bullpen this season. And so, you know, maybe a guy like that emerges, but I don't know. I still would like to have seen him make that move in the offseason. I'd feel a lot better right now going into the year. I would too. And, you know, coming into today, uh, Montero, who I mentioned before, who I've always rooted for and somewhere along the way just fell off the reservation, uh, whether it's injuries and then you've heard whispers about his eth- work ethic. And, you know, I-, I personally have never heard anything but good things about Montero. And, you know, coming into today, he's had the most innings uh, outside of Jake DeGrom, um, you know, uh, for the Mets, and he's pitched pretty well. I mean, the uh, his whip is a little high at 1.32, but uh, I like the fact that, you know, they're only hitting about 195 off of him, and he, he really has only had one bad outing. So um, I'm hoping that he's part of the mix as well. Uh, certainly uh, the bullpen is going to be a yeah. question mark, I think. And uh, uh, what, do you, what do you hear about Montero? What do you think about Montero as far as his performance so far? I don't. I mean, I think ultimately they see him as a starting pitcher. I think they value him as a starter. He can be a reliever, but I think they value him, especially earlier in the year as a starting pitcher. They're, they're going to need, you know, I think ultimately they, they like him in triple A because they know they can call on him to fill in to the rotation if they need it. You saw that last year um, as well. And so my guess is, despite everything you said, um, I, you know, my, that's my hunch. I think he'll end up back in triple A and I'm sure he'll get, uh, called up at some point when they need it. Um, you know, so uh, to me, he starts there. I think ultimately the the decision in the pen is going to come down to, because it's going to be two spots. One, uh, you know, actually the, the second will be probably because Familia will be suspended, so they'll, they'll need two, two people in addition to the guys that are locks, uh, counting Lugo. To me, it comes down to probably Smoker and Montero and – probably Rowan and Seawald. And like I said, Montero at AAA. Seawald, I think, you know, somebody like him, you're going to want – he's a reliever. He's got experience reliever. You're going to want him in AAA getting those opportunities so you can call on him later in the year down the stretch. So then it comes down to Smoker and Rowan, and I, I would probably lean towards – personally, I would lean towards Rowan just because you've got Edging and Blevins as the lefties in the pen. But Mike Puma had reported they may – you know, at least they're considering the three lefties, which would mean Rowan in, in AAA. But – you know, this, this is sort of what we're talking about, right? So, like, it's these guys, which, to get back to my earlier point, does nothing to ease the burden on Reed and make up for the loss of Familia. And to me, that's the bigger issue. Well, I know that the speculation now is that, or at least what, we, what we're hearing is that the, the spe- suspension will be less than 30 games. At least that's what hmm. we're hearing. That's the rumor. I guess we won't find out. I, I do find it curious that we have had to wait so long, um, you do? Excuse me, to find out, you know, how long I, he's going to be suspended. I, I guess that's their process. Yeah, I, don't, 
I don't, I don't find it curious at all because they obviously baseball in the WBC wants him pitching for right. Well, yeah, I mean in the WBC. I mean that. Let's that, not get into the WBC because all it does is aggravate. I'm just, me. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, like that's, that's <laughs> the reason that suspension is that you haven't heard anything. Like I'm pretty right. sure the minute the, you know the familiar returns to Mets camp, there'll be news on the suspension. No, I, I, you're probably right, and uh, certainly, look, I could talk about the Mets for hours and hours and hours, but we've run out of time, Matt, and certainly uh, I want to thank you for uh, spending some time with us today. I know you're really busy with the new uh, Venture Sports Content, Inc., and, of course, uh, as the lead writer and founder of Mets Blog, uh, you've got a really long season ahead of you, a really long, uh, hopefully a winning season ahead of you, and I certainly wish you all the best, and thanks again for being part of the program today. Uh, best of luck to you too, Mark. I'm, I'm glad the podcast is back. You know that I'm happy about that. Um, and so, yeah, definitely, I, I want to be back on. We talk, uh, just talk next. And uh, yeah, I look forward to talking to you again. Good luck. Absolutely, Matt. Thank you, buddy. And that is Matt Cerrone from Mets Blog. He is, uh, as I said, a really good friend to the program and has been that way. Uh, for a really long time, especially to Gotham baseball and all the things that we've done over the years. Uh, look forward to continuing this conversation as we move forward towards opening day. It is St. Patrick's Day. Uh, it's the 17th of March, but it's also 17 days until opening day. So certainly excited about where we're going uh, with this season. Uh, both the Mets and the Yankees expect to have pretty good years. Uh, you know, the Mets certainly have their eye on the World Series. The Yankees, the young Yankees, uh, as they're changing their identity, uh, they're hoping for the playoffs. I, I actually think that uh, there was a great um, great column uh, written today by Ken Davidoff in the New York Post about uh, why um, the Yankees spring training record, which is, I, I believe, uh, the best in Major League Baseball right now, shouldn't be discounted even though it's spring training. I don't know if I agree with it, but certainly it's a great article, and you should de definitely check it out. This has been Gotham Baseball Live. I'm Mark Healy. Look for more information about what Gotham Baseball's got cooking. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Gotham Baseball. Uh, certainly check us out on Instagram at Gotham Baseball. And you can always check out GothamBaseball.com on Facebook as well. Facebook.com, Gotham Baseball, of course, and GothamBaseball.com. Uh, Have a great St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week here on Gotham Baseball Live.